Welcome to the MedTech Talent Lab, the number one catalyst for advancing careers and building high-performance teams. Sponsored by the Anthony Michael Group, helping companies secure in-demand talent in regulatory affairs, quality, clinical, engineering, R&D, and other areas for medical device, digital health, diagnostics, and other organizations across the U.S. life sciences sector. Here's your host, Mitch Robbins. All right, welcome back to another episode here on the MedTech Talent Lab. It is great to be back. We've been out for a few weeks, whether it be illness or holidays, but we are live in living color on uh, Wednesdays each and every week for the most part, 11 o'clock Pacific, 2 o'clock Eastern, talking about all things talent related, especially as it relates uh, to the MedTech industry that we serve. Uh, my name is Mitch Robbins, joined by Adam Sapi, as always, from the Anthony Michael Group, where we uh, serve professionals and organizations across MedTech. Uh, to build high-performing teams, primarily on the technical side of the business, areas like regulatory affairs, quality, engineering. We've got a budding up-and-coming commercial practice in market access and reimbursement. Um, and then simultaneous to this live show, we have the opportunity to record episodes with best-in-class leaders straight from the industry on, on all things uh, talent-related as well. Um, good to have you guys here, those of you who are joining us live. Um, and those who listen back, we hope you certainly find value from today's topic. We're going to dig into something that I uh, give full credit to Adam for, and that is the topic of major uh, recruiting trends uh, to be on the lookout for as we approach the end of 2022 here and, and come into a full-blown uh, 2023 ahead. So, Adam, uh, first and foremost, hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Did indeed. Yeah. Ate too much, watched football. And uh, yeah, I think that's what I, my goal always is every year. So yeah, it was a great one. I was going to say that's, that's how it's supposed to be. So, uh, <laughs> so good to hear anything less would be, would not uh, serve you right. Um, I appreciate you finding this article, you know, Forbes put out an article, I think as recent as, as this week, we're recording this right here at the end of November. And in essence, <clears throat> what it did was it outlined it, excuse me, it outlined, I think, pretty much four major uh, different trends to be on the lookout for. And to kind of set the premise of what we're talking about, you know, if you look back across 2022, we heard things like the great resignation, and we heard, you know, most recently, quiet quitting, and all these terms that, um, for things that have probably been around in one way, shape, or form over time, but just happen right. to have now these coin phrases uh, yep. lately. But you know, I guess I'll just kind of dig in and outline some of the trends and then we could dig out, dig into each one of them as we see fit. Um, one of the big ones that that was mentioned was the fact that in COVID, you know, organizations didn't have a choice, but to let their staff work remotely. And unless you were in a manufacturing facility, everybody was pretty much at home trying to figure it out. Yep. Fast forward to 2022, there was a study done by McKinsey, the consulting firm, at least 58% of the workforce is allowed to work, I should, quote unquote allowed, uh, to work from home at least one day a week. But get this, almost 40%, 38% to be specific, is remote right now. 40% of the workforce is, st is still in a remote capacity where there's no expectation that they need to come to the office. Yep. If you think about that, that's huge, yeah. huge. And uh, you know, I have my own opinions on the benefits and the downsides to remote work just like everybody does. 
But what the article goes on to talk about is not necessarily the idea of, hey, should we let our workforce work remotely and what's the flexibility around that, but more so the, the impacts that maybe not everybody's thinking about. And number one is security. Um, yeah. When you've got almost half of the workforce working from home, what does that do as far as security comp uh, complications? And, um, and secondly, this idea of monitoring performance and employees productivity and output i want to dig into this in more detail but you know when they talked about monitoring performance they they used these um two sides of the coin one was what we're you know what it says outright and that is how do we make sure that our employees are actually working when they're not in the office but they're at, at home but then mm -hmm. the other piece says well we want to make sure that our workforce is staying healthy and taking care of themselves and actually getting up from the computer taking breaks and moving breaks. around <clears throat> yeah I'll just throw in my two cents uh, and then, you know, anybody else that wants to jump in and add an opinion here. If we're talking about professionals who are being paid a salary, you're either doing your job or you're not doing your job. You're either present producing the work that you're supposed to or you're not. I feel like adults should be adults versus monitoring performance. You don't hopefully the manager's not sitting in each of the person people's office on a daily basis saying, did you get your work done? Did you get your work done in the office? Right. So yeah. why does that necessarily have to be the case from home? Now you got to have, I mean, there's a, there's a, a lawsuit happening right now, I think in the Netherlands where companies have taken it too far and they feel like they're invading people's privacy and personal time by having, being forced to have the camera on all day long. Yeah. So the other piece about taking breaks, I feel like, again, we got to be adults. If you need a break, get up and take a break. If you need to go for a walk, go for a walk. Why does your company have to make sure, you know what I'm saying? Do did companies companies offered healthcare facilities or access to gym memberships, but did they enforce that you're actually using it? No, they left it to you to make that decision for your own life, right? Yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this? I agree wholeheartedly. If you see me looking over at the other monitor, I have that article up just for uh, context. But um, yeah, when when we worked in the office before, I had never I've never had a manager or a colleague or anyone else tap me on the shoulder. Hey, man, you're getting some eye strain. You should look up. You should go, you know, go into the break room for 10 minutes, you know, look out on the horizon or take take walks or take breaks or anything. So, again, if it's an hourly employee, if you're a manufacturer or something else and you're and you're, you need to physically be there, that's one thing. But to to your point. 40%, 38%, whatever, are 100% remote. And what was it? Almost 60% are hybrid in some capacity. So the security piece is huge for that 60% of us. Um, but then also, yeah, I, we're all adults. If you're if you're monitoring the KPIs or you know performance, whatever you're you're responsible for for you and your and your team, that should be what's what's focused. You and I have joked about this before. We've had sales jobs for you know 20 years, whatever, and and people in person, you know, with with a bullpen of 20 other people around us, would still try to game the system, you know. And they're 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 busy. They're work. They look like they're working, but they're not actually doing anything. You know, they're on the phone with a pizza delivery company or what you know whatever else. And and so if somebody's standing over your shoulder 24/7 and and watching you, I I don't know that that's the the right message either. <clears throat> and, and to that point, virtually or you know, when it comes to the security thing, you have some, we have security issues in every business, every organization across the, uh, the U.S. <clears throat> and this is both personally and professionally we have security yeah. issues, right? Yep. And so I don't think that necessarily changes that much because there's security issues in person too. I think it's just another iteration that we have to, to, yeah, and have to deal with. Um, yeah. The next, the next, or 
back to the remote piece, the other part of the article talked about engagement. Hey, how do we continue to engage our workforce remotely versus, you know, the collaboration that happens in person? And it kind of ties into the next trend that they talk about. But, you know, you and I and the rest of our team, we've worked remotely pretty much since the thick of COVID. I would say yeah. probably May, uh, April, May of 2020, we've been yes. remote since then. Yep. And uh, what would you say as far as how we engage and how it's changed or not changed? Yeah, well, and I think you know, we've talked about this before. It's, you know, it's it's gone. Unless Elon buys your company, you're not going to be forced to, to go back in 100% of the time, I don't think. So we have to make the bo most of it, both as hiring managers and, and employees. Um, so you and I and our team, we have video meetings just like this. We, we have morning huddles, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We have Slack going 24-7. We have any, you know, correspondence throughout the day, video almost every day, you know, which is good to check in on each other if for nothing else, you know, like especially during, you know, the thick of COVID. How are you doing? You know, this is different for us. How's your mood? How, how are you doing mentally? Um, and so I think that's great. Um, and then, then I think that we have the trust, you know, we're both seasoned veterans. So, all right, you do you, I'm going to do me. We'll catch up in two or three hours or whatever. And then if something's time sensitive in the meantime, you know, hit me up on Slack or text me or whatever. But in the meantime, uh, yeah, we lean on the technology that we can and try to meet up in person when we can. We're excited to get the whole group together next week for the holiday uh, party as well. Um, but I th I, in my opinion, I think we've done a really good job of, of balancing it. And I think what, that's just it. Mitch, yeah, uh, Jim, one one in, of the please. things that I've done in the past when I've been remote is uh, uh, holding uh, monthly uh, online happy hour. So that's to cool. get the team together, it's a good opportunity to just, uh, you know, for those who have hair, let their hair down and uh, <laughs> and build build the team. So I like Absolutely. that idea. And I think that's just it, is that there's enough ways to stay engaged remotely. And now that COVID, I mean, COVID's still here, probably is going to be here for, for quite some time. But the fact that the market has opened up and people are flying, so there's no reason that you can't have quarterly get-togethers. If you want to fly in the whole company, fly them in. They don't have to be there on a regular basis to still have an engaged workforce. It, it, yeah. And I think many, many companies are improving it, and many employees are speaking their mind that they actually prefer it this way. If they felt isolated, if they felt disengaged, I don't know how much they would appreciate or voice their opinion that they want to be remote. So that should be a, a tall tale sign there uh, to begin with. Um, moving on, the next trend they talk about this is interesting, is the incorporation of the metaverse or an, a version of the metaverse. You know, Meta, the company that runs Facebook, is building this virtual world where there's stores and there's concerts and there's workplace events, all this stuff. So I'm using the term metaverse lightly because there's going to be different versions of it, I'm sure. I think Microsoft's working on something. Um, another yeah. company, I forgot which one it is, is doing something as well. But they talk about the fact that, hey, it may not be overnight, but over time, especially going into next year, we're going to see more and more organizations leveraging these virtual uh, conference rooms and avatars, creating avatars of yourself and having your avatar be present in the room. Yep. I don't know how I feel about this yet. I'm probably just like most people who are trying to get used to an idea, the early adopters, right? This is how any product is is uh, brought into into the marketplace. Me personally, I look at the technology we have now, and I think we can have a virtual conference room right here if we needed to. I could bring up a whiteboard and start writing on the whiteboard if I needed to. What do we need to be in a virtual reality with a headset and an avatar versus the real life person? What do you guys think of this? 
just gonna see if Jim had anything. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of like that too. It's it's like crypto, you know, that's uh, imploding right now. And I'm like, well, I was a dummy. I couldn't understand it, so I didn't lose any money on it. And it's kind of like I I recognize that VR is is happening. I I think augmented reality is gonna be here sooner. I mean, it's already here, but I think we're gonna incorporate that. So that piece of it where we're incorporating a little bit of it and we're like, Hey, cool. Check out this, this cool whiteboard that we're working on. And then that goes into a, you know, a digital platform that we can, we can access. I I'm excited about that piece. The, I can't, I guess, wrap my head around my avatar guy is in a meeting right now, but I'm working over here. Um, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know that I, I, I understand that completely. And I don't know that it's going to be here at scale in the next five or 10 years. So I'm not terribly worried about it either way. I, I, I'm with Adam. I, I I really sort of need to sit back and see how it all unfolds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting concept in a way. And in another way, I can't wrap my head around it, thinking about like what would be the benefit to a trade-off of real conversation like this versus being right. in a virtual world with the conversation. Yeah. I, uh, I can't wrap my head around it, but um well, I guess we'll move on to the next one then. The next one is interesting, and that is the idea of a flexible uh, work week. There's um, some countries have been doing these trials of four-day work weeks, the UK included. As a matter of fact, the statistic was 86% of organizations in the UK currently who are involved in this four-day-a-week, four-day work week trial have come out and said they're extremely likely to adopt it as a per permanent policy, 86%. And so the idea is that you're going to get the same salary as you would uh, if you work five days a week. You're you're required to have the same productivity, the same output as you would in four versus five days. But the idea is to cut out non-productive activities, be as super dialed in as you can, and have a, a three-day weekend every week. I think is great personally, and I think that um, not necessarily the idea of a steadfast four-day a week work week as the standard, but more so the importance of flexibility. It goes on to talk about, you know, how much people are valuing flexibility. We've talked about this at nauseum over several podcasts, but, you know, parental responsibilities. I think of myself, I pick up my kids from school, they get out at 320, I have to leave my house at three o'clock just about every day to go get them and bring them in one way, shape or form somewhere. Thankfully, I have the flexibility to be able to do that. I make up the time either early in the morning or late at night, whenever I can, but my responsibilities at work allow me to do so. Um, people want to have flexibility for educational opportunities. They might be involved in a master's program, but they have to leave at three o'clock to take a class or whatever it is. The idea of whatever you need the flexibility for, the point, the point is that flexibility is key. And so this four-day um, work week, you know, kind of is a staple of that, of that movement. What do you guys think about the four day work week versus a steadfast five you got to be here five days a week well for me it's it's about being productive if i get the same productivity out of a team working four days versus five days um i'm i'm happy with that um conversely you know the the deliverables are expected and if somebody needs to work six days or seven days in order to achieve right. them then i would expect that as well and i expect no less than myself I'm sitting here thinking, all right, well, how do I get 60 hours of work into a four day work week? Um, because that is sort of the norm. Yeah. And I would, I would respectfully push back on one piece of that is there's sure. a lot of people out there who, 
who say they work 60 hours a week. And then you start to break it down. They're like, well, I probably did 35 hours a week uh, work. And then I spent 20 hours dilly dallying, trying to think what I was supposed to do and kind of all over the place. Not to say that that's you, because I'm sure mm-hmm. that you probably do have 60 full hours. Of, I know what that feels like too. But I think what this is trying to say is, okay, if we can put, if I, if you're not going to make me be here eight hours a day, every day, I could do this in four, 10 hour days. Right. Right. But to your point about, hey, if it requires six days, I think yeah. that's the expectation now of most salaried people is if yeah. you didn't get your work done by Friday, well, guess what? Saturday morning, you're probably trying <laughs> yeah. to figure out how I'm to working. report on Monday that you got it done. Right. So, and you know, I don't want to be in a position to dictate to people, you've got to come in on the weekend because this is due on Monday. You know, yeah. they need to have that initiative. And if they can get it done and say, you know, it's Thursday afternoon. I'm not coming in tomorrow. That's that's terrific. And I think, you know, Adam, I want to get your opinion, too, but I, I want to say this real quick. I've thought about it for our own company. There was a search firm last year, I think, who came out with a pretty big uh, push on social media about how they they have decided as a group that they're going to work four days a week. And at first, I'm like, that's a cool opportunity to offer to your staff. It makes sense. And then I started to get anxious thinking, well, what about all the business that happens on the fifth day and my team's not going to be here to answer these calls or talk to the people that are available? It's not that I don't want the flexibility for our team. It's more so I'm looking at the missed opportunity with not meet, reaching the marketplace who is working. Uh, so I don't know. What's your thought, Adam? Yeah, now uh, I would have the same concern. And I would say if you if you toggle it or if you schedule it accordingly, not only could you pick up all those days, but maybe even like a Saturday. Hey, hey. Not all of us are going to work Monday through Thursday, and then everyone's off Friday. I don't think that would make sense for our particular business, um, but maybe, maybe I get Mondays off. You, you, and some other of our colleagues get Fridays off, or we switch it, and then we even have Saturday coverage. So we're actually still getting that business, and then even more so. Um, I know we have a client here in Colorado, and and they have every other Friday off, so it's not even every Friday, and that's a huge deal. Holy cow! We've been fortunate to have helped them hire, you know, six or seven, eight people now, and that's something that people are really drawn to, and they have the flexibility then to piggyback it onto, an, you know, uh, most holidays in the U.S. are either a Friday or Monday, so they make it a four-day weekend a lot of times. Um, and so I think the the focus is, hey, we're not having two-hour meetings just because, you know, there's a principle where our work will fill in as, as many hours as we give it, whether that's an eight-hour workday or 40 hours or six hours, uh, we are guilty of, we'll just kind of, you know, we can, if we have five hours until we need to leave for vacation, a lot of times we'll get our 10-hour, eight to 10-hour day done. We just don't have any distractions. And I know I'm guilty of that too. So if it's, if it's like, hey, that's how every week is going to be, I'm, I'm hyper vigilant of my time and I'm eliminating distractions. And maybe some of the things that could, you know, fall to the wayside would be a 30 minute, 45 minute, you know, birthday celebration in the break room with the whole team. Maybe, maybe you just scrap that and say, Hey, I'm sorry, but the good news is you're getting Friday off. So you can go hang out with your family and friends and have a three day weekend. I think most of us would be like, cool. I'll be happy to give that up. So funny. Two things. One, I'm glad you brought up the vacation thing. Cause I think that is the most productive time is the day before yeah. you leave for vacation for anybody yep. Yep. Uh, because of the urgency and well, yeah. the excitement too, but the urgency, like I have to get this done. Well, imagine if you operated that way much more the consistently, time. how productive you would be. Yeah. The other thing I thought of it, the sign, I love Seinfeld, but there was an episode where they literally found every opportunity to celebrate just about everything with a cake. And they were constantly in the break room. <laughs> and she's like, I can't do one more celebration. Yeah. But, uh, 
yeah, I mean, we've both been through that uh, personally where we've seen that like, hey, a birthday celebration turned from, you know, let's go sell, sing happy birthday to an hour and a half of we were away from our desk and we could have used that time to get out of here, you know. Yeah. So I think the overarching theme that I strongly, strongly agree with is the importance of offering your staff flexibility to the best of your ability. If somebody needs to be on a manufacturing floor, you know, from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. every day, only so much flexibility you can give. But if yep. somebody has the capability of getting their job done at 9 o'clock at night instead of 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and that's what they want to do, what does it matter to you as long as you get the same productivity? That's how yeah. I see it. Le Leslie uh, commented too. She's a huge advocate. Um, she said, of course, it depends. The caveat uh, there was, of course, it depends upon the position and the company. But she said it can be a great recruiting tool. And I agree wholeheartedly, just like this company that we're, I was referencing here in Colorado. It's a fantastic uh, recruiting tool. It really is. Um, exactly. And what do you know what yeah. Oh, yeah, Go I was ahead, just going to add to that. My, my son just accepted a position. He's a manufacturing engineer. He just accepted a position, and he was incredibly excited about the fact that he gets to do four tens. So in the Midwest, I don't know how familiar you are with this area, but there is a huge cabin culture here. And yeah. it, I mean, it's, it's big, not only that, but hunting and fishing. So people are always looking for ways to extend their weekends, particularly yeah. in the summer out, you know, summer and fall. And, but um, yeah, he was just really excited about that. It's, it's That's less cool. commuting. It's more efficient. He gets more of a refreshing break on the weekends. So he's really excited and, and I'm excited for him. I think it's a great, you know, a great idea. I agree. Yeah, everyone wants to go up north uh, to their cabin. I, I know Minnesota and northern Minnesota well, um, fortunately. But yes, and um, it'll be an interesting look back in five years or, or 10 years and see what the productivity is, see what the engagement, employee engagement is. I bet turnover goes down. I bet productivity goes up. That would be my, my hunch. Um, and I bet, you know, the engagement, satisfaction, uh, that piece of it goes up. And I think health-wise, uh, mental and physical health will 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 uptick because of this as well um so yeah i'm 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 uh, cautiously optimistic we'll see how it goes i mean we used to work seven days a week right until the union stepped in and said hey this is not cool we need a weekend and, and so that happened and then now you're like well if we if we go hard and we get the same productivity done in four days and we get three days to to recharge our batteries hey life is good you know if, if we're you know living to work and not working to live um and, and so i think uh yeah, I think, uh, you know, it definitely could work out. We'll see logistically, but you, you'd have to schedule a little bit. You'd have to be more uh, cognizant and more aware of your time, uh, both as the employer, you know, hiring manager and as as a team teammates. But um, and I think, too, you'd see a lot fewer those, you know, <clears throat> I'm sick on Fridays and Mondays. That Those would probably go away, too. People would take less sick time. People would take less PTO. So. Overall, you know, out of a uh, thousand eighty hours in a week or whatever, I bet you that number is real. Would be real similar. I think it's always been the case that the more obstacles you can remove, the more barriers you can remove within your recruitment process and your courting process and your onboarding process and how you operate your culture, the better engagement, the better attraction opportunities yeah. you have. Yeah, <clears throat> it's the exact same thing here. It's just super, super critical as where we're at with our um, with our uh, workforce market right now is that this is what people value. It's probably one yeah. of the most important things right now is the flexibility. So when you're recruiting, ask yourself, hey, if our competitor was re recruiting for this exact same job, but we weren't as flexible as them, who's going to win? And right. where are their opportunities today? 
that we are not necessarily being flexible and how can we work on that as an organization? Yeah. And I think the CEOs and the um, CHROs of, of the workforce who recognize and, val and value that are going to win. And I think those who think it's, this is how we've done it. I don't care if you want to work here, this is how it's going to be. And those who we want to have here will do it our way, I think are really going to lose because that yeah. might work temporarily. And then people are going to get aggravated talking to their friends down the street who are like, oh, you have to do that. We don't have to do that. We get to do X, Y, and Z and it works great. Well, look at, yeah, let's say you live in the city. Let's say you're in the Bay Area or Boston, Cambridge or Chicago, wherever. You're, let's say your commute's an hour each way. And that's not abnormal. I've had longer commutes than that in California sure. and Chicago. So all of a sudden you go to, you go four days instead of five days of that. If you are going in person, that's a hundred plus hours a, a year. You know, that's, that's a, what, over a week and a half or whatever, not sitting in your car. That's, there's a premium to that. You know, time is money. And uh, I would take less money to have that you know, scenario that that's awesome. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of huge upsides, uh, you know, if we could pull this off. You know, a lot Let of the execution of these kinds of opportunities falls back to hiring the right people and managing right. them, uh, such that, um, you know, they're able to achieve the results. Uh, you know, I I've operated like this for a long time and, you know, it's a, uh, you know, being able to apply the right pressure, right? You know, we've got to be goal-oriented. We've got to have people fixated on the results. Um, but, you know, they have to be free to operate. You can't micromanage in that kind of environment. Um, if you're, yeah. you know, if you're getting to the point where you need to micromanage in order to achieve results, you don't have the right people in place. So, you know, finding those people who can operate in that kind of environment without constant supervision, I think is, is really, uh, you know, a, a critically important piece of this overall. That's the key. Plan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, I really appreciate all the engagement today. I think there's a lot uh, that we unpacked here. I will leave the show with, with one final note on this topic. Stop saying it can't work. This won't work and start saying, how can we make it work? How can we find ways to, to make it work. There's too many organizations that we have direct contact with their first initial response when we say, hey, can we do X, Y, and Z? It's like, no. Why? Well, I just don't see how it can work and none of a, none, nobody else is doing that here. So it's like you're automatically closing yourself off yeah. to all this greatness by, by being so pessimistic. Why don't we stop and say, you've done it this way up to date, but the market is shifting like it or not. So how can we start to get creative and be more flexible? And yeah. I would encourage you to, to really think about that against all of your procedures and policies. Just because you've always done it this way doesn't necessarily mean it's the best way. And it's right. the people who are, are bold and brave enough to, to kind of go against the grain who are the major shifters of the market who end up having the most success. So keep that in mind. We're going to be back here next Wednesday, 11 o'clock Pacific, 2 o'clock Eastern with another topic. If you haven't uh, checked out the MedTech Talent Lab community, check out the show notes. Uh, in the show, there's a link to join the community there. Uh, it's on me to continue to build the community and make it more engaging, which we do definitely plan to do. So we're excited to have you there. Or you could check out the community on LinkedIn, the MedTech Talent Lab, and there'll be a link to join uh, the exclusive group there. Thanks to all of you guys here today, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the MedTech Talent Lab podcast. For more content-rich episodes, log on to theanthonymichaelgroup.com or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform.